Good morning. I have not seen you in a long time. Welcome here. On a normal Sunday morning for the past few months, I'd be standing right here saying good morning to you back there, and this would be one big empty room, but it's good to see the family back together. Psalm 84. Do you think it's fitting? How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Because even the sparrows found a home and the swallow a nest, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. O Lord Almighty, my King, my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Amen? Amen. Oh, church, amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, this morning is so good because, Lord, being in this place with your family, it just, it gives me, it gives me more than joy. It just, it fills me, Lord, with energy and with this feeling of life. I can understand, Lord, that after you died and you went to heaven, that your disciples gathered in a room together to pray. And over a hundred of them in this room waiting for your spirit to come. And they gathered together to seek you and to pray and to wait for you. Because there's strength in being together and there's life in being together. And Lord, we know that you dwell inside of us and your Holy Spirit has made us a temple of the Most High. And we're thankful for that. So Lord, as one family under the roof together again, we give you honor and glory and praise. This year has been hard, Lord, but you've not forsaken us and you've not abandoned us. You've drawn us closer to you and you've put us through storms that have forced us, Lord, to ask hard questions and to rely more closely on you maybe than ever before for us. This morning, Lord, isn't about us, though. It's completely about you. So as we pray and as we sing and as we open up your word, as people get baptized, Lord, and they declare to you, I follow Jesus. I want him more than anything this life has to offer. Lord, what could be better than being together with you? Thank you so much for this morning and for this family. But Lord, for your salvation and your hope and your peace that you give to us. You are worthy of honor and glory and praise. And that's what we hope to give you this morning. We love you, Lord. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand with us as we sing. And um, I'm going to ask that you put on your masks while we sing. And then after we're done singing, then you can take your masks off again, please. And I'll just invite you to worship along with us this morning. We will walk the valley with you by our side. You will go before us, you will lead away. We have found a refuge, only you can sing. Sing with joy now, our God is for us. 
the Father's love is a strong and mighty fortress. Raise your voice now, no love is greater. Who can stand against us if our God is for us? Even when I stumble, even when I fall, even when I turn back, still your love is sure. You will not abandon, you will not forsake. You will cheer me onward with never-ending grace. Sing with joy now, our God is for us. The Father's love is a strong and mighty fortress. Raise your voice now, no love is greater. Who can stand against us if our God is for us? Neither height nor depth can separate us. Hell and death will not defeat us. He who gave his Son to free us holds me in his love. Neither height nor depth can separate us, hell and death will not defeat us. He who gave His Son to free us holds me in His love. Sing with joy now, our God is for us. The Father's love is a strong and mighty fortress. Raise your voice now, no love is greater. Who can stand against us if our God is for us? Sing with joy now, our God is for us. The Father's love is a strong and mighty fortress. Raise your voice now, no love is greater. Who can stand against us if our God is for us?
seated. One of my favorite psalms that I've read many times as we've opened services over the past the spring and the summer has been uh, 155 because it's about praise. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet, with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with tambourine and with some dancing. Praise him with the strings and the flute, with the clash of cymbals, with resounding symbols. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Oh, man. Doesn't that get you excited? That gets me excited. Like, really excited. Oh, my goodness. It's so much fun to sing with all of you. A few announcements for you. Bulletins are a little different right now. You'll notice you get it through an email um, on Fridays. It comes out from the office. If you're not getting that email, Patricia would love to remedy that. But that's where you'll read the bulletin. And in the bulletin, you're going to notice something really exciting. Cole and Rebecca got engaged to get married. How exciting is that? Congratulations. So, you can't go hug them. I guess that's against the rules, but... If you go out for lunch with them, you might be able to hug them. So you just have to invite them out now and spend time with them. And then you can, uh, yeah, congratulations. A couple of other announcements that would be good to let you know about. One, West Bank Bible Camp. So with the banquet and the auction normally takes place in November this year, no banquet. We can't all be together in the gym. So what they're going to do is they are going to have a week-long auction online. And there's going to be desserts, and there's going to be non-food items, and you're going to see posts on the camp Facebook page. And you can bid on them, and you can bid against your friends, and in the end, who knows, you might take home someone's fancy chocolate cheesecake. Depends what you bid on. But, here's the catch. I need a few of you to donate desserts. Because if there is no desserts, the bidding, it's not going to happen. So, I have a few of you written down on my list of people whose desserts taste fantastic. So, I hope those people come to find me, and if not, I'll come find you somehow, but let me know if you want to donate something. Let me know this week, that'd be really helpful. Uh, The auction is going to be the last week of October, so if you could let me know this week, then I'll make sure that it's all lined up with Jeff at camp before we put it all online. So thank you for considering that. There'll also be a special offering for camp in November as well, so if you don't want to participate in the auction, but you still want to show the camp some love, Uh, We'd greatly appreciate that so much. So would the Salvation Army and the Family Resource Center. What we want to do for them this month is collect items to donate to them. We've got a table set up in the foyer of the church, and all this month we want to invite you to participate in that. So with there being uh, limited trick-or-treating this year and no food drive in the city, why don't you bring your craft dinner and your cans of soup here? and put it on the table along with other items you want to donate, and we can take it to them, as well as the Family Resource Center. 
who could use lots of different items, including lots of diapers for the babies. So if you want more information about that, you can talk to Nicole, and we are trying to do that all this month. So it'll be available to you, that table, each Sunday till the end of October. So be generous, and let's overflow that table and have stuff all over the floor spread out across the foyer. I think we can do that. With that being said, that's the last of our announcements for this morning. So I'm going to call up Pastor Nick, and let's pray together as we go into our next part of the service. Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for those who aren't with us this morning. I want to thank you, Lord, for the church family that's at home, who's listening and who's watching. Lord, I want to thank you for the church family who's sick, shut in, separated from us. Lord, be with them. Lord, for the other churches who are meeting in our city right now, would your Holy Spirit move in their services, Lord? Would revival break out in the city? Would you grow people, Lord? Would they grow deeper in knowledge and love with you through those different churches? Lord, take care of our missionaries who've been separated from their families around the world and can't come home, but who are faithful. Lord, give them courage and boldness to declare your name to the nations. Lord, you've been so good to us. Lord, take care of Rebecca and take care of Cole as they plan their wedding day. Would that be an incredibly special time for them? Mm -hmm. Thank you, Father. Thank you for our Bible camp. Thank you, Lord, for the people in our church and in our community who've made sure that the camp's ministry has stayed, stayed active and alive all of this time. So, Lord, would the generosity of the churches and the community carry the camp into next year. And Lord, thank you for the Salvation Army and the Family Resource Center. Thank you for the ministry and the love they show to the people in our community. And Lord, would we be generous to show them love too. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Darren. That was Pastor Darren. And I'm Pastor Nick. For those of you that are visitors, welcome here this morning with us. And uh, Pastor Bob will actually be bringing our message following our baptism today. So a special treat to hear from him and about the goodness of God in, in his life and uh, challenge to us from Scripture. So I get the, the wonderful task of uh, giving you all sorts of COVID updates. So first of all, you, you notice that we've tried to space you all out, and I just want to say thank you to all of you who uh, did your best as well to sign up ahead of time and to let us all know. Uh, the capacity of our, of our church is 150, and I think we had 128 signed up, so, so we, are, we are pretty close to capacity. And so just want to thank you um, for your uh, sensitivity to that. We need to exercise grace towards each other, but we definitely do need you signing up for the next couple weeks as well. So do make sure that uh, if you've signed up for this Sunday, we're not necessarily assuming you're going to be here next Sunday. So make sure that you make that part of your Wednesday or Thursday. I know some of you waited until the last minute, and the problem with that is, is Patricia was here quite late on Friday night. Um, trying to get all the last-minute sign-ups in place. So if you can do that a little bit earlier in the week, that would be uh, much easier for her, much less stress for Patricia, and much less stress for Darren and I as a result, because, you know, boy, um, just kidding. Once we're over 150 people in here, we are going to need to move to a gymnasium. So we've actually set up the streaming service into the gymnasium. And uh, what we're looking for is our regular attendance is about 200. And so we can't all fit in this place. So we have two options at that point. We either can go to two services, which we didn't really th think was a, 
a good thing. We like the idea of gathering together, whatever that looks like. Or we could ask a few of you to sacrifice and, and be, be involved in gym worship. Um, and so we're going to be asking for that in the next couple of weeks. So maybe talk that over with your spouse. If you have young kids, maybe there's an opportunity um, in the gym where your kids can have a little bit more room. Maybe you don't want them having more room. Maybe you need handcuffs. I don't know. I'm not raising your kids. I'm trying to raise my own, and I'm not doing such a great job of that sometimes. So, hey, um, it's all good. That's what grace is for. We're looking for about 10 families um, who would be willing to commit to gym worship um, sometime in October, probably until Christmas. It definitely looks like, um, as far as where our government is concerned, there's not going to be any real changes in COVID restrictions for church gatherings. And so hopefully we're, we're really hoping that we, we're all kind of watching Manitoba right now, right? Our neighbors next door, and they've got a big outbreak. And so we're trying to keep that. I know some Manitobans might have brought, no, I'm just kidding. You guys are welcome here. Um, <laughs> Anyways, we're keeping an eye on that sort of a thing because we certainly don't want restrictions to get tighter again. But uh, uh, just something for you to think about uh, gym worship. If that's something maybe that your, your family, we've already got at least two families that have said, oh boy, yeah, we, we want to be in the gym. Um, so that's awesome. So just uh, think about that. A couple of regulations going on here. Uh, first of all, when you came in, you noticed there was red arrows all over the place. And uh, some of you followed them, some of you didn't. It's kind of like Walmart, right? And you're just kind of elbowing people out of your way and hoping they don't cough on you or something. I'm not sure exactly what. The red arrows are for when you come into the church and when you exit the church. So if we're, we're going to ask you to try and stay in your seats once you're seated, and that means maybe have one less cup of coffee um, on Sunday mornings for some of you. I won't won't mention any names, Nicole, but um, for the rest of you, basically those arrows are for when you come in and when you exit. If you have to get up in the middle of the service, we don't expect you to walk down to the front of the aisle and go around. So we're just asking that if you get up from your seat for any reason during the service, that you put your mask on. We can't, um, we can't also have proper spacing in the washrooms, and so uh, you're going to need to be a little extra careful um, when you get up and when you're moving around. So make sure that if you do that, that you just exit the closest way possible, uh, put your mask on, and then, and then take it off once you're seated. So as a general rule of thumb, then, you wear your mask from your car to your seat, and then you wear your mask from your seat to your car, and then you wear your mask when you're singing or when you're using the washrooms. All right? Um, I, I, we're trying to not make the rules too onerous for any of us. And so that's what we're kind of doing there. Uh, masks. Oh, I already covered that. Four conditions. Before service from your car to your seat during... Okay, I already did that, right? All right. Perfect. Bathroom renovations. Um, now, some of you saw a video that I shared a little while ago about bathroom renovations. I need to apologize because we were too slow to get our ducks in a row. And so we didn't get our bathrooms renovated. We didn't get quite all the material ordered uh, in time to renovate them for today. And we just simply can't have a worship service uh, in COVID uh, time with uh, bathrooms that are unavailable. And so what we've decided to do is we've, we've, we're putting off those bathroom renovations uh, until the restrictions ease up a little bit for us. So I want to thank those of you that uh, have contributed to that, and I want to assure you that we are moving forward on bathroom renovations. We're just a little delayed on it. And uh, in the meantime, because we can't have banquets, um, we're going to actually uh, do some renovations in our kitchen. And so we've got some money set aside for that. You've been very faithful in that, and we're going to be doing some, some further updates on our kitchen 
renovations. And so just take note of that. We are not going to be using the bathroom renovations for the kitchen renovations. Just so you know, those are going to be two separate funds. All right. Um, any other th uh, things that are going on? First of all, we did try and um, try and figure out the spacing properly. So as you're looking around, maybe you're seeing a few places where we've messed up. Um, if you're not comfortable with your seating, particularly if you feel like you're too close to someone who is not part of your family unit, um, let us know. Um, everybody is too close to Amy, so that's okay. Uh, but everybody else, uh, just let us know, and uh, we'll try and get those uh, organized for you. You guys are all going to be wanting to sit way over there again, right? Because you're right in my field of vision. So we're, we're totally bugging you, the, uh, the Funk family. So it's kind of neat to see this, actually, this empty section of our, of our church that's filled up. So this feels really cool from up here. So, man, you should come up here and see it. I want to take a few moments just to share some encouragement and how you've been an encouragement to me. First of all, we've just finished off our 40 days of prayer. We decided as a church that we were going to do something a little different than everybody else. We weren't going to rush to try and impose a normal that probably doesn't exist anymore. Uh, we wanted to really take the time to seek the Lord and ask him what he was doing. I want to thank each and every one of you who came out to a prayer night. If you could only come to one, thank you for coming to one. Uh, if you could only watch the stream, thank you for watching that stream. If you uh, came out for all six of them, you did better than me because I only made it to five. So I want to thank you for that. Um, there's a lot of churches right now that they, during their time, they've really been focusing on Psalm 91. And uh, it's a really good psalm. But as I read it, I felt like it was too presumptive. Like, before you claim that God is on your side, it is pretty important for you to make sure that you're on God's side. And so that's why when a lot of other churches were choosing to go the Psalm 91 route, we decided that what we are going to do is we're going to go a slightly different direction. And whatever's good for them, we're not going to judge, but we just felt, Darren and I particularly felt this was where we needed to be as a church, um, just seeking the Lord and asking him, uh, what is he doing? And so uh, I want to thank those of you as well who are being salt and light, who are stepping it up in this crazy time, who are exuding grace and pouring out forgiveness and being kind and gentle. And I have to confess, I'm not perfect at that. Boy, there have been a few times when I've been learning as well. Second Timothy 2, 23 and 24 says this, it says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they simply produce quarrels. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach and not resentful. 2 Timothy 2, 23 and 24. That's really been something that has hit my heart, um, is that perhaps... I'm a little too confrontational, <laughs> and uh, luckily I have Darren once in a while to give me a bit of an elbow and gently say to me, back off a little, Pastor Nick. You don't have to be passionate about everything, and so that's one of the things that I'm learning during COVID is really what the grace of God that I've experienced looks like when I give it to other people, and I used to say in my former church, it's only grace when the other person doesn't deserve it. It's only grace when the other person doesn't deserve it. 
So something for you to think about. Uh, in our sermon series and as we start to gather in, in person on Sunday mornings, we're looking for some input from you. And so if, if God's been teaching you something during COVID, we're going to try and have some opportunity for, for every week for maybe one or two people to share. Um, even better if you can send us a video um, and just a little three-minute video about what you're learning during COVID, um, what God's been laying on your heart. And we're going to get that into our, our morning worship services as well. Because I think it's really important in this time when we're not connected to each other to stay connected to each other. And that's one of the ways that we can can do that. So just thank you so much for that. Um, looking forward to Bridgeway. I want to just take a moment and just um, just kind of remind you of where we've come from. I became your pastor and you called me to pastor you uh, three years ago, three and a half years ago. And uh, one of the things that's been really intriguing is to come into a new place and see this, this family and Pastor Darren gets up every week and welcomes the family. And I think there is that feeling here. Uh, I, so many of you have missed each other. I have no idea how we're going to stop you from visiting after the service is over. But if you're going to do that, please do it at McDonald's or in the park or somewhere else. I'm not here. But one of the things that uh, just has been on my heart is, is this, this, this whole idea, growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I think that's one of the things, I know that there's a heart here for discipleship. Like when I even say the word discipleship, some of you shift in your thinking and you lean forward because discipleship is what your heartbeat is. The, the, the very beginning part of discipleship is discipleship is the process by which a Christian with a life worth emulating commits himself to a new believer who's been one to Christ, the purpose being to lead and guide their growth to maturity in Jesus Christ and equip them to reproduce themselves in a third spiritual generation. Um, thank you very much, uh, Wes, Pastor, Pastor Wes in Okanagan Bible College in 1991. But uh, a Christian with a life worth emulating And I had to ask myself, on behalf of myself and on behalf of Bridgeway, do we have lives that are worth emulating? Do we have something that the world doesn't have? And I would love to say, yes, we do, because yes, we do. But sometimes it doesn't show. And so part of my journey as pastor, as we walk through the book of Luke and as we walk through the book of Galatians, as we walk through uh, Hebrews, was just to help you realize how incredible your God really is. What an amazing thing it is to have a Savior who loves you so much that he'd rather die than live without you. And that's an incredible thing. And my hope is that as we've painted that picture of just this beautiful Jesus, this hero that we have, that it's, it's quickened your heart, quickened your spirit, and started to start you on that journey or, or, or take you deeper in that journey of just coming to love him and know him more and more. Growing out of that, once we have that connection with Christ, that's what is attractive. That's what we pass on. It's not a list of rules. It's not how we live better or think better or act better than other people. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with the forgiveness that Jesus offers us. 
And so that's where we're going in, in the next little while, is we're going to be talking about how to become more outgoing, how to become more uh, attractional as, as a church, but also as individuals. One of the things that's happening with COVID right now is that people are more open to spiritual conversations, and yet they can't go to church to get those conversations. Isn't that crazy? And God knew about all of this. And what he's saying to each one of us is, I need you to have those conversations. I need you to have them at work. I need you to have those conversations with your neighbor. I need you to have those conversations with that person that you're fighting with. I need you to have those conversations, and I need you to bring Christ into those moments. And so I want to just thank you for those of you that are doing that. Um, We are growing closer to God in Christ. We are reaching our community with the gospel of Jesus we're assisting each other in our ministry. We're caring for each other in Jesus' love. We're exalting our God in worship. This is why God still has a plan for Bridgeway. Um, and so I just want to thank you for your participation in that. One of the things that's always been on my heart is just evangelism. In our last prayer meeting, um, a lot of you filled out evangel- uh, like the names of people. I, I have like 40 people to pray for. So thank you very much, all of you that filled out um, all of those cards. Um, but I want just as we take a moment to pray together this morning, just in a moment of silence, we're going to try and bring a little bit more prayer into our worship service on Sunday as well. So I'm going to invite you just where you're at to bow your head and to really just take a moment to allow the Holy Spirit to bring one person to your mind. Maybe one person that you work with. Maybe that person that you had a fight with this week. Maybe that person that you have written off and you think they're beyond grace. Maybe that person that lives across the street. Maybe that person that lives right in your own home. We're going to pray. We're going to bring those people before the Lord. And we're just going to ask God to draw men and women to himself. Let's pray. This morning as we gather, Lord, we celebrate communion. And it is a reminder of what you have done for us. It's not about us. It's all about you. And we're going to celebrate baptism, Lord. And that, too, is a reminder of what you have done for us. And each one of us is here and we've been healed, and we have a hope everlasting because of the work of Jesus Christ in our lives. And so we pray that you would move in us, that you would make us more like Jesus so that we could be salt and light, so that we could be more effective at sharing the gospel with others. This morning, Lord, we specifically want to pray for salvation for James. I want to pray that Wilbur would come to know his Savior. This morning, Lord, we want to pray for Kaylee. 
and ask that she would know that she's loved with an everlasting love. This morning we remember Bonnie, and we pray that you would reach to her heart, touch her spirit, and let her see what you're offering. This morning we pray for Darren, and we pray, Father, that whatever barriers are in the way, that you would knock them down so that he would see only you. Father, we know that Jesus Christ said if he is lifted up, he will draw all people to himself. And so this is our prayer today, Lord, that as we lift you up, that you would draw our friends, our family, our loved ones, even our enemies to you, to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen. Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. We thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, anguish, he will be satisfied. He will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. I'll invite you to join us as we sing Man of Sorrows. Man of Sorrows, Lamb of God,
standing and yet grab your communion sets I'll walk you through the procedure so please pay close attention first of all those of you that are gluten free these are not gluten free so if if you didn't come prepared with your own according to the email we sent out just don't take the bread or the wafer um, and you can participate in communion with us. Now, on the very top, there's actually two tabs. So you need to be very, very careful. You only want to lift off the cellophane tab and not the sel- silver tab underneath. So if you can separate those two, it's kind of like trying to separate pages on a sheet without licking your fingers. And doing that, you should be able to remove the wafer. Just take a moment and consider the symbolism of this little white piece of styrofoam. Because it symbolizes something that is deep and profound, inscrutable and mysterious. It symbolizes the beloved one who said, this is my body. Take this and remember me. Let's partake together. Now you're going to need to be very careful with the silver uh, tab and pulling that back so you don't wind up wearing the juice. If you spill a little bit on the carpet, let Joyce know. She'll give you a suitable punishment and tell you how to clean it up. The Passover Seder meal is an interesting meal. If you've ever get a chance to partake of one, definitely do it. It it walks you through the whole meal that Jewish people celebrate, even to this day, as a memorial of the people of Israel leaving slavery in Egypt. And that's what Jesus was doing on the night in which he was arrested. They were celebrating this meal. And so Jesus took something that they'd been doing for like 1,500 years or longer, and he breathed some new life into it, and he gave it new meaning. Now, there's four cups in the Passover meal. I'm convinced that the cup that Jesus took was the fourth one, the one after the meal. It's called Elijah's cup. And it is a cup that is a cup of celebration. It is a cup where uh, they raise their glasses and they say, next year in Jerusalem. And we're supposed to raise this cup and we're supposed to proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. Now, there's a word, a Greek word called, says it's Maranatha. It's, Even so, Lord Jesus, come. And so what I want you to do is just raise that cup. Remember the blood of Jesus Christ 
And say that with me. Maranatha. In the same way also after supper he took the cup saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood which is for you. Do this. And remember me. Let's partake. If you want to slip on your masks and remain standing as we respond in song.
thank you for your singing. You may be seated. When I became a pastor and a Mennonite brother in church, this this book became probably almost as important to me as the Bible. I had to read it from cover to cover and explain all the reasons why I disagreed with some of it. And uh, you guys decided you're going to put your trust in me and call me as pastor, anyways. And uh, I remember Chad, especially, um, going to uh, was that Regina, where um, Ben and Phil grilled me for about three hours, and Chad got to sit there and watch me squirm. But uh, I just want to read to you Article Number Eight: Christian Baptism. We believe that when people receive God's gift of salvation, they are to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptism is a sign of having been cleansed from sin. It is a covenant with the church to walk in the way of Christ through the power of the Spirit. Baptism by water is a public sign that a person has repented of their sins, received forgiveness for their sins, died with Christ to their sin, been raised to a new life, and received the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's a pretty complicated sign. Baptism is also a pledge to serve Christ according to the gifts given to each person. This morning we are blessed to have two people who have asked to come forward and uh, step into the waters of baptism and publicly declare their allegiance to Jesus Christ by being baptized to symbolize his death and his resurrection for us, but even more specifically for them. And so uh, we have Michael Orthner this morning and we have Dominic Toner, Dom, Toner. And uh, so Darren and I are going to enter the waters of baptism. I think the sound guys are going to lift up the screen. And uh, I'm going to invite Dominic to come as we enter the water to share his testimony. Good morning. Ooh, tough crowd. Thank you. Um, I feel this is weird because about 18 months ago, I stood up here and did this already. So, uh, and then Nick at the time talked to me about baptism and I said, yeah, that's, that's totally something I'm interested in, but I kind of already had it done when I was a baby. So for those of you that heard my testimony the first time around, I talked about my upbringing. I'm not going to go through the whole thing again because I think I, I waffled on for way too long the first time around. Um, my upbringing was not in a church environment. I, I was raised by parents. My dad was raised as a Catholic, and when he was old enough to make up his own decision as to what he wanted to do, he decided to not continue going to church. My mom was never raised in the church, although her mom was a religious woman. Um, but I didn't really know my, my nan that well, so, so I didn't really know faith um, other than what I'd learned in school. And there was a point in my life where um, I lost a loved one. And I asked, I, asked, I asked the question, what happens? What happens to that loved one? I wanted to know where she went. 
and I began to express an interest, um, trying to learn more about faith and what it was and what it meant. And I kind of had this feeling, I kind of always knew that there was something bigger, something greater, something more powerful out there. Um, and it wasn't really until, um, well, really until I started coming to visit with Nick um, before I made the decision to become a Christian. Um, Nick really helped me um, open my eyes and my ears so that I could listen to God. Um, but when I reflected, I, uh, and I, I, I mentioned this, for me there was three key areas of my life that I look back on that make me realize there is a God out there. And so after talking to Nick and reflecting on those three key moments in my life, um, which are in no particular order, I, was, I wasn't always an awesome guy like I am today. I fractured the occasional law or two when I was younger. Um, I was in a drug dealer's house and things went wrong. I managed to get out. I left the house and the cops showed up and yeah, all things were going horrible in there, but I got out. Something told me to get out and I got out and yeah, some stuff went down in that house I'm glad I wasn't a part of, so I thank God for getting me out of that house. I know that now. It was him. He said, get out. Um, I was working on my, I'm a mechanic. That's what I do for a living. I fix things. I try. I, uh, I was working on my dad's car. I was underneath the car. The jack collapsed. The car fell on top of me. And that hurt. Um, a friend of mine just happened to walk by and he saw that the jack had collapsed and I was stuck under this car and he went and got my dad and they came and they, they jacked the car back up and I managed to climb out and, and I survived. And, and now I know that it was God that sent my friend to come and see what I was up to, see what I was getting up to that day. And the last key point that really struck home to me was I was in a bad car accident. I flipped the car. And there was five of us in this little car, and it landed on its roof in the ditch. The car was just totaled. But not a single one of us had a scratch on us. We all got out. We all walked away. And, and again, I just know that somebody was looking out for us that day. So those really were the three key things in my life that made me start thinking, you know what, I'm pretty sure that it's about time I uh, started to give thanks back to our Lord and Savior. And amongst talking to Nick and thinking and reflecting and all this kind of stuff, I, I had never read the Bible. I still haven't read the entire book. I do like to, to read same books in the Bible over and over again. Um, I asked Nick at the time, how, do you, how, how does one become a Christian? Is there a test you take or something like that? And he said, no, it's really simple. Go to the book of Romans. And in the book of Romans, I read, I think, shame to say I've forgotten. I think it's uh, 9, 10. 
And then there Paul says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that was me. That's what I did. I, I chose to believe. And since then, I've actually I found some other stuff in the Bible that really, really hits here, really makes me think, this is me, this is where I want to go from now. And one for me is in the book of Genesis, the story of Abraham and the way God challenged his faith by asking him to kill his son. I don't think I will ever have that level of faith, although, believe me, I want to kill my kid every now and again. Um, but the other story that really uh, it continues to send a message to me, and, and just recently in these times, at some of the prayer meets, I've heard what some people have said about how they found COVID really hard to deal with. And I haven't really struggled with it myself because I know that somebody bigger and greater is looking out for us. And I know that I can turn to him and I can go and have a conversation with him. And, and so the other thing that I found in the Bible, and it's in the book of Mark, um, Mark 9.23, and it's the story of the man who brings his possessed son before Jesus and he wants him to be cured. And the man, the man says, if you can cure him. And Jesus says, if I can. And Jesus says, if you believe, all things are possible. So that's me. I'm going to go get dunked. Bear with me. Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Yes. Do you renounce the evil one and all his works in your life? Yes. Do you commit yourself to a lifetime of following Jesus, picking up your cross daily and following him for the rest of your days? Yes. Dominic, Dom, on the confession of your faith, it gives me great joy to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, well, that right there gave me goosebumps, so I really hope the water ain't cold. <laughs> um, I just want to say it's really great to be up here in front of you guys. Um, it feels awesome. I haven't seen you guys in such a long time, and I missed you all. 
If you were watching the services this summer, you might have seen me up here once or twice, but I was just staring at a camera, so it feels good to be up here again. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Michael, and uh, I've been attending this church since I was born, basically. Uh, and my story starts like many of your guys's. I grew up in a Christian home, and I was raised by two great Christian parents that many of you know and love, like me. And uh, well, like we didn't talk about God all the time. He was always a part of my life, and he was always important to me. Uh, there are many things, like when I would get in trouble, my mom would quote scripture to me, or I used to have a lot of nightmares. And before I'd go to bed, I'd read scripture to try to help me sleep better. And so that's kind of that's how my life went. I went to school, and I, uh, everyone knew I was a Christian. You know, I, I made good choices, and I always, uh, always tried to share my faith with other people uh, like since, since I started kindergarten. And it was, it was always important to me. It was always a part of my life, and, uh, and, and God was real to me at that point. I don't remember when I accepted God. You know, I don't remember the date. I was pretty young. Um, but whenever I would share my story up until I was pretty old, I always felt kind of like inadequate because like my entire story was, yeah, I grew up in a Christian home and I've loved God all my life. Um, and I realize now that that's a, that's a great story, but I was just, I, I felt like something was missing. I never had that reformation moment, right? Um, one day when I was in high school, I, uh, I didn't, I didn't always hang out with the, with the best kinds of people, which is good to have un- non-Christian friends, and it's good to have a, have a group that you can share your faith with. But I didn't always I didn't always hang out with the best people, didn't always make the best choices, like, uh, like so many other kids in, in high school. Um, and one day, I, uh, I woke up from bed, and I was sitting there, and I felt funny. I was like, something just doesn't feel right. Like, the joy that I, I've always felt my entire life just, just wasn't there. I just, I just didn't feel it. And... Uh, from that point on, it's just every day I'd wake up and there'd be a little less joy in my life. And I'd call out to God. I'd be like, God, why, why, why am I feeling this way? Why can't you make me happy again? Um, I'd, dive into, I'd dive into scripture. I'd pray a lot more. I'd go to church every Sunday. I'd sing on the worship teams. And I just, I wake up every morning. I just, the, a little piece of joy was always, always gone. Um, eventually it got to the point where, uh, where I could, I could hardly get out of bed some days, so um, I, I got my mom to take me to the doctor, and she diagnosed me with severe depression, and I was very good at putting on a mask, I was very good at, uh, good at hiding the fact that I wasn't, I wasn't feeling good, but I just didn't, I didn't want to feel like that anymore, so she sent me, uh, referred me to a therapist, and we went and we talked a little bit, and she asked me one day, she was like, well, do you have, do you have faith, like, are you a Christian? And I was like, well, yeah, I am, and then we talked a little bit about some, some doubts I have, and some things that I question. And uh, those are things like, I, I doubt that God cares about me, or I doubt that God's powerful enough to save me. And so she told me, a, a super nice lady, and uh, I'm, I'm sure she's great at her job, but she told me that sometimes it's good to question the things that you've believed all your life. And so from that, I took it. I was like, oh, well, maybe this faith thing isn't for me. Um, so I just started to not talk to God as much and not read my Bible as much, and it wasn't... Uh, it, it just wasn't, wasn't real to me anymore. Through all this time, though, there's one thing I never doubted, and I never doubted that God exists. I mean, I've got lots of doubts in my life. I know everyone's got lots of doubts. But I never doubted once that God exists. There's this one spot when, uh, 
when I drive into town, you can park on the side of the road and you can look over this valley. Uh, in the spring with the runoff, there's this little body of water that snakes through there and you can see some cows roaming around. And you can see for, for a couple of miles. And every time I ever think that I'm doubting God, I just go up there and I, I park up there and I sit. And there's nothing anyone can say to tell me that something that beautiful just happened by accident. There's, there's not a thing. Um, so I, I have, I, I've always got doubts, but that's one thing that's always been real to me. Um, and I think that's important that God has always shown me that, that he's real and that he, he created the world and that, uh, and that he, he created it out of love. But I wasn't, I wasn't super deep in him. I wasn't, uh, wasn't feeling him. Uh, then I went on a missions trip to Japan not that long ago. And we were sitting there at the English camp one day. And all of a sudden, I just, I was just, sitting there and I felt, I was like, I need to share my testimony. I was like, I need to do it. I don't know why, I just felt that. And sure enough, about five minutes later, the missionary we were working with, he came up and he was like, hey, Michael, you need to share your testimony. I was like, okay, I might do that then. He's like, "Uh, can you share it in like five minutes? I was like, well, I've already been thinking about it for five, so I might as well, eh? And that was that moment that I, I felt that God really cared about me that he would, he would care enough to speak to me and uh, care enough to, to share that with me. It's just that he, he was real and, and he was out there looking for me. So ever since then, I've, uh, I've dived, back into, uh, dived back into his word, dived back into prayer, and I've never felt joy like I do today. I've never felt like, like this happy. I've never felt this joyful in the word of, in the word of God, in the, in the presence of God. And uh, a lot of people say, you know, you got to go to uh, you got to go to Bible college as soon as you graduate, and that's great. I think Bible college is a great thing, but I just didn't feel like it was for me. And I had a couple people come up to me, be like, "Well, if you don't go to Bible college, you're not a great Christian." And uh, <laughs> I, I was like, "Well, it, that's not great." I was like, "Maybe I'm not a great Christian." And then uh, so then I, I show up at the U of S, and little little first year Michael, so long ago, he uh, was walking around the bowl on orientation. He was like, "Man." Here's, uh, here's this booth of people with these like, bright blue shirts. I was like, man, I could sh- sh- go talk to them, see what they're up to. And I start walking towards their booth, and sure enough, this girl cuts in, and she's like, hey, have you heard about Power to Change? And uh, then they're like, I was like, no, I haven't. I don't even know what that is. Uh, and she was like, well, would you like to join? I was like, might as well. And uh, so I got in contact with the guy there. I started to, uh, started to attend the weekly gatherings, the prayer meetings, and... I've never felt more in tune with God than I do right now. And I've never felt like God has been speaking to me more than he does right now. And uh, I don't know why stuff happens the way it happens. I don't know why, uh, why I felt the way I did. But I just, I just know that now God has never been, uh, never been more real to me. I never wanted to get baptized. Um, it's just, it's, I don't know if I have a problem with authority or what, but it's this thing where it's like, oh, you have to get baptized. It's like, you were saved and then you're baptized. And I was like, well, I'm going to show you. I'm going to get to heaven and not be baptized. <laughs> um, and it took me, uh, took me a little while. I, when I was in Saskatoon, I actually made good friends with a couple of Mormons. And through talking to them, it was really important, their, their view of that baptism and, and how, uh, how they view that in their faith. And it, it just changed my mind. It flipped a switch. And I was like, I, I have to get baptized. And so I uh, made the decision about in January that I was going to get baptized. And I was living in Saskatoon. And I wanted to do it in front of you guys because you guys are my family. It didn't, uh, didn't quite work out for a little while. I was planning to do an Easter. And then uh, Victoria and Zach could come home, from, come home from Brandon to see me. And then, 
Easter, everything shut down and uh, didn't didn't work out quite like that. And so it went on and on. And there's a lot of uh, a lot of hiccups along the way. And it uh, it it, it might have discouraged me, but I've through all of that, through the through the delays and everything, I know that somebody was working against me. And because of that, I've never felt more sure that this is what I want to do with my life. Um, I just want to share a little bit of, of scripture with you that I try to live my life by. It doesn't really, um, it's, it's, not a, it's not a couple of verses, it's all of Proverbs 4. And uh, that was shared with me once and I just fell in love with it. The first two verses say, Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts, I do not forsake my teaching. And uh, the, the whole book of Proverbs is all about wisdom. And that's something I, I try to live my life by. I try to try to dive into into God's word. He says that the Bible is just filled with meat, but we're only drinking milk like we're children. Um, and so I, I try every day. This is from this point on to uh, to just try to dive in and learn and uh, feast on some of that meat that's in God's words. So that's my story. And now I'm gonna go jump in the water. Wish me luck. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I do. Do you renounce the devil and all his works in your life? I do. Do you commit yourself the rest of your life to following Jesus with everything that you are? I do. Michael Orkner, it gives me great joy to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'll make secret notes here. I'll praise the Lord, O oh my soul, that all is that is in all that all my most being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. From Psalm 103, the first two verses. Well, um, I was uh, asked to share just uh, share this morning, and looking at the time clock, that might have to be a little bit of a short short time of sharing, but. Um, uh, it's great to be part of this group again and see your faces. Uh, it's uh, great to have our church get together again. Um, awesome morning with everything that's happening as well, so uh, that uh, kind of makes it just a real super day. Um, I was asked to share just a couple, uh, an update on the cancer. Um, yeah, I'm still dealing with that. I'm, uh, 
had radiation, and that all went uh, really better than uh, they told me it would be. Uh, started chemo on the 1st of April, and uh, that uh, isn't really going that well. Um, I uh, have a problem with a low white blood count, and it drops really low, which it does for everybody that takes chemo, but then it stays low for an extended period of time. And so I've missed uh, half of my treatments already because instead of every two weeks, it ends up being every four weeks and sometimes five weeks, and once it went to six weeks before between treatments. So, so after a good start with radiation, it seems like uh, not getting too far with uh, the chemo. So we're still doing it. I'm, I'm very fortunate. I have a ton of people praying for me, you, most of the people in our church and other places as well. So I think that's why I'm doing as well as I am. Um, I have my bad days after treatment, and uh, my energy level really sucks. But um, um, other than that, uh, doing, I think, relatively well. So I'll have a scan next month, so we'll kind of see if, where it's all at, if, I'm, uh, if we're making any progress or not. So, so other than that, I'm uh, just very grateful, and I can affirm today the goodness of God in, uh, in my life. And I uh, praise him for that. So good Thanksgiving. So Nick asked me to share a little bit this morning uh, from, from the scripture, and I'd like to take you to Psalm 119, verse uh, 68, and then 71. And uh, we're presented with two truths in these verses. In 68, it says, you are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. And then in verse 71, he says, it is good for me to be afflicted, or it was good for me to be afflicted, so that I might learn your decrees. And so the two truths here, on one hand, is that God is good, and the other hand is that we experience hardship and suffering in this life. Now, there's no denying, I don't think, that uh, for most people that God is good. But what about the pain and suffering that we experience uh, in this life? And the, the question that so often comes up with that is that if God is good, then why am I suffering? If God is good, why am I going through this mess? Why are all these bad things happening to me when I've uh, committed my life to following Christ? So uh, those two truths, we kind of hold them in a, in a tension, you know, and it seems like they're almost in opposition to each other. Um, when what you believe, really, what you believe about God will determine where you will land when a crisis comes into your life. When that crisis comes up suddenly, unexpectedly, without announcement, and chews you up and throws you out on the ground, then what you believe about God will determine what you're going to do next. And for some people, um, that means that they, uh, they walk away from God. And for other people, it seems that that draws them closer to God. Some people that are here today have gone through that. They've been chewed up by the blender of a crisis of some kind and, and dumped out, and they've gotten up and kept going. Uh, I believe there's others that have been part of our church in the past who went through a crisis like that and have walked away. They've abandoned their faith. Um, for most people, it seems like you, even as a Christian, you sail along through life and it's going smoothly. Uh, there's uh, good things happening. You're paying your bills. You're looking after your family. You're going to church. You're, you're maybe involved in church. Maybe you're a very uh, um, dedicated to praying and to reading your Bible. And it all, is, all is going good. And then all of a sudden, this crisis comes in, into your life. It's the death of a child or a spouse. Maybe the loss of a job or a business. Betrayed by a partner a tragic accident, maybe an accident that, that you caused and caused the death of somebody else. Maybe this pile of debts you can't pay. Maybe it's a serious illness, like cancer. Maybe any other uh, kind of crisis that barges into our life. And then suddenly, you're not so sure if God is good. You know, there's a lot of people who uh, 
have just walked away from their faith because they faced a crisis where they couldn't rectify those two truths, that God is good and that we do experience afflictions and troubles in this life. So how do we keep our heart and our faith in a time when it's difficult? Do we face them with faith, faith or do we blame Satan? Do we suck it up and pretend it doesn't exist? But the scripture affirms over and over again that God is good. So uh, time is a bit short. I'm going to probably just quickly go through some passages. Um, the guys, yeah, Psalm 34, verse 8, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Psalm 105, the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And I have a good friend who uh, claims, who has cancer and claims Psalm 27, 13 for himself in his situation. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We see that in the New Testament where Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Or, or in Mark where he said, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. Or back to the Old Testament, Nehemiah, in his prayer to God. Even while they were in their kingdom, enjoying your great goodness, there God is good, to them in spacious and fertile land you gave them, they did not serve you or turn from their evil ways. So yes, we affirm that God is good. The Bible makes that clear. But it also affirms that we face hardships. John 16, 33. I have told you this so that you may have peace. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. He told us that he would, we would experience sorrow and trouble in this world and we're supposed to expect it, not be shocked when it does happen. Maybe uh, we use the word affliction, so I'm going to give you a definition here of, uh, of affliction. The state of a persistent pain or distress, suffering, grief, mental or physical pain, loss, calamity, persecution, and it goes on like that. And that's why the word is not used much today, but it is a good word in the sense that it, it covers so many of those things that, that people experience in life. And so when the Bible uses it, that's what it means. It's talking about all these things that happen in our lives that are unexpected and bring pain. Um, this morning uh, they read Psalm, from, Psalm, uh, from Isaiah 53. Uh, verses 4 to 7, and there's, it's really an amazing passage, especially when we're doing commun head communion. But uh, in there, uh, we see that Jesus uh, himself was afflicted and pierced and crushed and bruised. He was oppressed. Uh, he suffered and died for our good, for our salvation. So, so uh, two things there. Jesus wasn't exempt from, from suffering, and uh, his suffering brought good. So if we go back to Psalm 119, 71 and 75, I'm going to take you there. Uh, it says, God is good, and what he does is good. Teach me your decrees. And in 71 it says, it is good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. And 75, I know, Lord, that your laws are righteous and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. So what David says here is that it was good for him to be afflicted. Now, that's uh, not something most of us like to say. I don't think we come out of a trial or crisis and say, oh, it was good that I went through that. Not likely. Most of us would say, oh, why did that ever happen? And why does he say this? It's because his afflictions taught him something about God in a way that comfort and pleasure never could. It caused him to grow closer to God and stronger in his faith. Afflictions deepen us and deepen him in his relationship to God. And so that leads us to the main point I wanted to say this morning is, that God has a purpose in the afflictions that we experience, and that purpose is to make us more like Jesus. So God's purpose, that's God's purpose for, in our lives. It's not just 
to save us and then take us to heaven or else he'd have done that already. When he got saved and done and, and uh, where is he? Where'd he go? Where'd your boy go? Still changing his clothes. Okay. <laughs> Michael, when Michael came to that place and where all of us came to that place, I mean, if, if God's purpose only to save us and take us to heaven, we'd have dropped dead right after we, we turned to him. But he's left us here for a purpose because he's got something he wants to do in our lives. And his purpose is to make us all more like Jesus. Um, Romans 8, 29, 28 and 29. Maybe I'll read that one because uh, it's getting close. I don't have too many other ones I want to share this morning. But in uh, Romans 8, famous, I would say famous, but very, very often used. Uh, good words for sure. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to, to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And we could unpack that, that, those two verses quite a bit, but it starts out by saying God works for the good of those who love him, but then it says that he predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. This is God's big purpose in our, in our lives, is that we would be conformed and shaped into the image of Jesus, so that we'd be like him. So that's, that's a bigger plan than, than we often think that God has for us. That's, that's a big plan. Um, certainly, uh, certainly God does comfort us. And uh, when we're going through a hard time, we have the Holy Spirit who comes to comfort, that's comfort us. That's one of his ministries. So it's not saying that he doesn't comfort us, but he is less concerned, as Chad said a few weeks back, he's less concerned about our comfort than he is about our character. God always wants to build and shape our character. That's, that's what he's up to in our lives. He wants to make us so different from the world that people will see the difference in us and, and ultimately then be drawn to Jesus. It's not, it's not his plan to remove the afflictions that we experience in life, even though we'd want him to. He, he loves us too much to always take them away right away. Instead, he chooses to leave us struggling through the crisis, through that affliction, in order that he can do something bigger in our lives and make us, again, more like Jesus. That could be that he's making us more, less worldly, uh, less selfish. Maybe he's making us more patient, more loving, more compassionate, more trusting. He uses suffering to draw us closer to him. So we cry out to him, so we pray to him, so we find ways to actively serve him. And sometimes he uses our affliction to awaken the faith in a spouse or someone close to us. God works his purpose into our lives for good, and we can't always see that good at the time, but he does. But God, because God is good, he also overrules the evil and the afflictions we suffer and uses it for our good. Now, in Psalm 119, David writes and says that, uh, he indicates her that God afflicted him. And uh, that's an uncomfortable truth. We find that quite a bit in the Old Testament. All through the Old Testament, it seems that uh, when uh, God's people strayed and when they turned their backs on him uh, and gone into uh, idolatry and all the practices of the nations around them, uh, God would uh, bring into their lives an affliction of some kind, whether it was an illness, whether it was drought, whether it was a pestilence. Sometimes it ended up being the, the nations around them would defeat them and so um, all through there, in those verses, if we, uh, there's quite a lot of them, you could go through there, and we find there that sometimes it directly says that God, God was the one who afflicted them, that God was the one who punished them. And um, 
That's an uncomfortable truth for most of us. But again, the purpose of all of that was that God would get his people back again so that their hearts would return to him. So uh, two passages that, that, that uh, sort of, I guess, give us a picture of that, that how he overrules evil and afflictions in our lives is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 6 to 10. Uh, it's, uh, it's a passage there where uh, it's Paul is writing and he said that, uh, that there was a thorn that was given to him, in, a thorn in the flesh. It was, quote, a messenger from Satan. We don't know what it was. It uh, was something that affected his health. It had the potential to cripple his ministry. He prayed, plead, prayed to God, pleaded with God three times to take it away, as most of us do when we're going through a hard time, when a crisis befalls us, when an illness comes, when somebody's in the hospital, um, possibly at the end, life's end. We, we plead with God, we pray with, to God, please, Lord, please, please do this. Well, Paul prayed about that and pleaded with God, and, and God left. God didn't take it away. He left it there. And Paul says, it was so I wouldn't become conceited. And Paul had a rich Jewish heritage, uh, a rich uh, family background. He was well-trained by some of the best teachers of the day. He had all that behind him, all those credentials. And uh, he could well have been a very proud man, but this thorn in the flesh, apparently it seems that it was given to Paul to keep him humble, and so he would depend on God. And the way that came to his life was through Satan. It was a messenger of Satan. So we have this messenger of Satan afflicting Paul, but God overruling all of that to make Paul into a better leader. Or Genesis 50, verse 20, a verse you've all heard many times. You, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And there, Joseph's brothers had uh, intended evil against him, um, and it was bad, but overall, God overruled all of the bad and brought good out of it. So we can't always recognize the source of our affliction, whether it comes directly from God, whether it comes through Satan, or it comes from our bad choices, or maybe it's from the people around us. We can't always recognize the source of the afflictions in our life, but no matter where it comes from, God can use it, and he does often use it for good in our lives, even though we can't always see it at the time. I've been uh, serving as a chaplain for uh, three years, I guess now. Before that, I was doing it, uh, sort of uh, helping out the other guy who was doing it. And uh, I have this, seen this experience many times. Uh, a Christian will be uh, brought to the hospital and he will be in serious condition, um, life-threatening illness, and uh, life is just turned upside down when that happens to you and for the family. And I've visited some of those people afterwards when they've uh, recovered even though there was a, look, a chance they weren't going to, when they've recovered, you can talk to those people and they will often say that through, that, through that, that affliction, through that suffering, through that fear, they grew closer to God. And they will come out of there, some of those people come out of that much bolder in their faith. Some of them come out of there much more dependent on God, maybe more a person of prayer. One fellow said, he said, I'm not the same man anymore. And I've seen that... Quite often, it doesn't always happen, but quite often when people are brought to that place where th their, their life is threatened, they, they begin to look at life differently. Things that mattered before don't matter anymore. And the thing that should matter, God does matter. So I've seen that over and over again. How God uses that affection to make them more like Jesus. So, so I have cancer, and 
uh, it's stage four, so I don't know. They said six months to a year. I'm seven months already, so I'm going for the year for sure. But, uh, you know, um, it does cause you to look at life differently. Um, some of the things that were always more important to you are, are less important. And you, I find myself asking God, so what am I supposed to learn through all this? Okay, so what, what, is, what, is, what am I supposed to learn? Is there, is there more I'm supposed to do? Is all those questions sometimes come, come through, uh, swirling through your mind. Uh, I want to finish well, however that looks. Uh, I'd love to uh, finish well doing the chaplain ministry, if I could. That's slowly opening up again for me the last uh, few weeks. I'm getting more and more calls uh, to go and uh, more and more requests. So it's, uh, and so far, um, that's been good. I'm, I, what a great feeling it was the first time I was back in visiting somebody in the meadows. And I, you know, for me, that's, for me, that's life. I mean, for you, that's, you know, maybe not so good. But for me, ah, oh, that's, that's exciting. That's, that's what I love doing. And... Um, been able to re reacquaint with a couple of uh, residents that I haven't seen since the COVID started too, so that's so that's good. So I, I really want to finish well, but I I I'm asking God, what what are you trying to teach me, Lord? Um, is is there more that I'm supposed to be doing? Is there something new? I I don't know, but I ask that question lots. Uh, can I affirm that God is good, even though I have cancer? Yes, absolutely. I affirm that with all my heart that God God is good. He's a good God. And, and even though I have cancer, he's still good to me. There's many, many things that happened, have happened through this uh, journey that's, that's good, all good. Uh, I'll be healed here or in heaven. I, I mean, I can't really lose. So he's good, and he brings good out of all of my afflictions. And he can do that for you as well. So if we can embrace that truth from Psalm 119, that God is good, but afflictions will come. And if in all of that you can continue to trust God with your pain and with your suffering, it will create a faith in you that, and a confidence that will stand and grow through those dark days. You'll be able to affirm and even celebrate the goodness of God in the midst of all your trials. So dear brother and sister, remember, God can make, can make all things, the good, the bad, the painful, the pleasurable, the difficult and the easy things in life, all things, he can make all those things work together for your good so that you will be more and more like Jesus. And when you're more and more like Jesus, your ministry and your witness will increase. And you'll be able to fulfill the ministry that God has called us to fulfill in this world. So, thanksgiving. Give thanks to God for all his goodness. Amen. I'm going to invite you to join us in response to um, Pastor Bob's message um, about the goodness of God, and we're going to sing about the goodness of God. So I'll invite you to stand and put on your masks as we close our service this morning.
through the wilderness for years and years and felt alone and abandoned at times and forgotten. God remained with them. It says that his fire was there in the night and his pillar of cloud was there in the day. They could see him. They felt alone, but they weren't. And maybe over this past year, you felt that way. You felt like, I know God is here, but where is he? I want to see him. I feel alone. He promised he'd never leave us. He wouldn't forsake us. He is faithful. And on that day, when they arrived at the promised land and they crossed the Jordan River, and God went ahead of his people into the waters, and the waters completely stopped so his nation could cross on dry ground, and God remained in the middle in the Ark of the Covenant. He told Joshua, you better grab some stones. 
you better grab some stones. And they grabbed 12, one for each tribe. Why? Because when they got to the other side, they put them together as a memorial and a reminder. And it says in the scripture, so that when their children would ask them, Dad, why the stones? Why the stones? They would tell the story of how God was with them and how God delivered on his promise. God had not left them and he had led them into his promise. He was faithful. That's the goodness of God. So let this day for Michael and Dominic be that day, the pillar of stones that you will remember. You'll mark this day and say, God has been so good to me, I don't want to forget it. A milestone. I'm willing to die to myself to become brand new. God has been so good. Let's remember this day. Heavenly Father, as we go from this place, Lord, thank you for the chance to be one family in one room again. But Father, thank you that you never left us. Thank you, Lord, that your presence at times felt so close over this past year. And in the darkness, Lord, the light shines so bright. Thank you for the people in this family who have been a light to this city and this world, who've been faithful, Lord, over this year. Lord, thank you for Michael and for Dominic who are laying this stake, this flag in the, the sand, and they're saying, my life belongs to my Lord, not to me. It belongs to him. Lord, move us to encourage them and show them great love. And may we have the courage and the boldness to make that same claim ourselves. So, Father, bless us and take care of us as we go from this place, Lord, into the mission field. And whoever you bring into our lives, Lord, may you bring someone this week. And would we, Lord, tell them our story, the story of when we planted our flag in the sand and said, my life belongs to him. And Lord, would revival break out, would change break out, and new life spread across the city, Lord. We're planting our flag, Lord, our pillar of stones. You are here with us, and we are not alone. We give you all the honor, Lord, the glory, and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As you go from this place, uh, take your communion cups with you. That'd be really kind if you would, and take care of disposing of those. Follow the red arrows, please, as you leave. Please wear your mask until you get outside. And we'd ask that you uh, not mingle in the building or even in the parking lot. Go grab someone, go for lunch, and uh, spend time visiting with them there. Make sure you sign up for next week if you want to come again to the service. Thank you so much.